The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. Um, man, it's just good to be here with you guys this morning. If you're new, uh, like I said, I am not Pastor Jimmy. Um, I am Shay Haddock. I uh, am an associate pastor here on staff at the church and thankful to be so. Uh, our beloved Shepherd and Pastor Jimmy is, um, I hope he's in a tree stand right now. He, he's uh, enjoying two weeks of, of vacation, um, and so this is his second week of vacation. So I hope he is in a tree stand, in a thick wooded draw somewhere, and out about an hour and a half west, and has got a buck chasing a hot doe right by his stand. That's what I hope he is doing right now. But um, I did go out with him yesterday, so, so if I look like the the hunchback of Notre Dame, man. It's like I was sitting in this super crooked tree with Jimmy yesterday. He's like, I really want to be in that tree right there, bro. I'm like, man, that's a really crooked tree. He's like, but that's the spot. So I hang this stand, and it was not the spot, man. It was leaning so bad, man. Like both of us on the drive home, I was like, bro, is your back hurting? He's like, bad. So anyway, better him than me uh, this morning. So, uh, and I am excited. Rachel, I'm excited to see you this morning. Ra- Rachel just got back from um, F- Finland. Finland, I got it right. See, in my mind, Finland, Sweden, Norway, they're all the same. They're just north and far away and really cold. That's all I know. But Rachel was over there playing soccer, and uh, I am super excited that she is back and um, just good to see you today. So um, this morning, if you want to turn your Bibles to um, Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7 is where we're going to be spending uh, the bulk of our time this morning. And um, we're in this Kingdom Come series. We're in this little we're in a series that we had titled just the kingdom, uh, and, but we're in this, the, the, the last four weeks, uh, th- this is week three of, of four, uh, where we decided uh, to just call it um, uh, Kingdom Come. It's a little mini-series uh, leading up to a really big day uh, in our church's history, which is next weekend, and we're just super excited about that. And so for whatever reason, the Lord saw it fit uh, for me to bring you guys a word uh, today leading up to that. And so last week we talked about, um, we read out of the book of Micah, um, and we just I explained to you guys uh, the kingdom um, the difference, like, what do we mean when we, when we say the kingdom? Like, what are we talking about, right? And I explained that we're, we're talking about two different kingdoms that both of them work in unison together, right? We're talking about the literal kingdom of God that is no doubt the millennial period, the thousand year reign and rule of Jesus Christ on planet earth at some time in the future. But we're also talking about the kingdom of God in our life on this side of eternity where Jesus is not sitting on the throne of David in Jerusalem like he will in the, in the millennial period, but rather he is sitting on the throne of our hearts reigning and ruling in our lives as we seek to go there for and make disciples as Jesus has called us to do. And so um, I was praying and abiding with the Lord this week and trying to figure out, well, Lord, what do you want to say to me and, and to the church? Uh, and so he led me into, into Matthew 7. And so 
Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you guys through it to the best of my ability. Um, like, like they say, uh, do your best and tr- trust the Lord with the rest, right? And so I'm believing the Holy Spirit has something to say to us, myself included, this morning as we work through the text. So Matthew 7, here we go. Uh, before we get into that, the, um, this, is, this is the final chapter, so the famous Sermon on the Mount, okay? Jesus spoke the Sermon on the Mount. We, if you've been in church for any period of time, you've heard that. That is Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, okay? We're uh, in the, we're, I'm not going to go through the whole Sermon on the Mount. In fact, that's probably an entire sermon series in and of itself, especially chapters 5 and 6, where Jesus goes into great detail about what it is what it is to be like and should be like to be a citizen in the kingdom of God, okay? So that's why I believe that, and I was kind of curious, I'm like, well, Lord, why Matthew 7? Like, that's kind of the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Like, shouldn't we start with it? He's like, no, bro. Chapter 7 kind of gets straight to the point, and you only got one Sunday service to get it done. I'm like, okay. So, Matthew 7, here we go. This is, Jesus is wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Familiar passage to some of us. Why do you look at the speck of dust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Man, I strongly believe this is one of the most uh, misquoted scriptures in all of the world. People take this out of such context, particularly people that don't know the Lord or those that are very immature in the Lord. Um, you know, people use this verse here as... Um, as a basically a pass to live however they want to live. And if you try to speak into their life at all, they re- outright reject it because they feel like you're judging them. And so what's really important is that like, and I feel like the, the reason the Lord is having me teach on it this morning is because in this church, we're trying to build out a culture of discipleship, right? And it's not because that's what we want to do. It's because we believe that's what Jesus told us to do. Uh, and so in the culture of discipleship, Man, it's tough. Like, it's not easy when you're trying to make disciples because you have to lean into people. You have to teach them the truths about the Lord and the character of God and what it is like to live righteously. Like, not by your actions, but by the condition of your heart and how it's postured towards the Lord. And so... um, that's why discipleship is so important, and Jesus modeled that for us, right? Jesus walked intently with 12 people, uh, and, 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 uh, and Jesus, even Jesus himself didn't have a 100% success rate, right? Judas killed himself. Jesus invested his life in Judas, and he went and hung himself after he betrayed him, right? And so we shouldn't be discouraged as disciple makers. Man, if you lean in, if you feel like God's calling you to reach out to a man or a woman's life and you invite them into your life and you seek to, to uh, encourage them to follow you as you follow Christ and they flake out, don't worry about it. Like Jesus said, man, shake the dust off your feet and go on to the next. I mean, Jesus himself lost a disciple. And I know it hurt his heart. 
It hurts my heart. I invited one of my best friends into a discipleship group. He came one time, told me he couldn't handle the heat. Then he, like our friendship has kind of fallen apart since then, not because I don't love him or he doesn't love me. It's just he's not a person of peace in my life. He doesn't want to receive the good news of Jesus. He wants to live life on his own terms, and so the Lord is letting him do that. And there's nothing I can do to help him. I can't be Jesus to him. Jesus has to be Jesus to him. And so I can't let uh, his not receiving of my leadership impact my walk with the Lord. I just have to keep praying for him that, that God will soften his heart and turn him into a disciple of Christ at some other point in his life. Whereas right now, he's not willing to do that. But coming back to this do not, like judging others. Um, man, it is okay. Like we need to know that it is okay um, and, and, and actually is required of us to lean into other people's lives. That's called leadership. Like when, you're, when, you, when you do something wrong at work and your boss like sees that you've done something wrong, he's a bad boss if he doesn't actually tell you what you did was wrong and help you do it right. If he just says, oh man, that person screwed up and like, I, I, you know, I'm not gonna help them. I'm not even gonna tell them that they screwed up because I don't wanna hurt their feelings. That's a lousy boss. Like, because the chances are the person that did something wrong that screwed up, they actually want to do the right thing. They just didn't know that what they were doing was wrong, right? And the same is true. Uh, that's what Jesus does in our lives. Like, a lot of times, you know, there, we have intentional sin and unintentional sin, and they're very different. And it's important for us to know that. Like, there's, you know, I gave the example in my discipleship group the other night that, you know, unintentional sin. And like how the father responds to it is very different. I'll give you guys an example. Like as a father, I have four children. If I were to tell my oldest son, Gabriel, I'm like, I'm like, hey, buddy. I'm like, hey, we're going to walk down this path. And there's a big hole like about 50 yards down the way, man. Don't go in that thing, man. It's deep, it's dark, and it's hard to get out. He's like, all right, got it, dad. You know, and he goes and he, he literally just runs right into the hole. And I'm like, what are you doing, man? I just told you not to do that. Like, are you dumb? Like, what, like why aren't you listening? Like, were you deaf? Like, wh what's your problem? Like, it's hard for me to get you out of this, and I see that you're scared, you know, and hurt or whatever. So I'm still, as a good father, going to yank him out of the hole, but I'm a little frustrated with him that he walked in the hole in the first place because I told him not to, right? It's a different reaction from the father if He's, they're walking down the road and walking down the road and this and that, and all of a sudden, nobody saw the hole. Bloop, kid falls in the hole. You're like, holy smokes. You know, and you get him out, and you're like, buddy, are you okay? Is everything all right, man? You okay? Are you good? <clears throat> holy cow, I didn't even see that thing. Me neither, you know? The reaction of the father is very different. And that's a great example of us when we either walk into sin or we fall into sin. Falling into sin is like, man, we didn't see it coming. It's just part of our sin nature, like pride entered into our heart or we fell into a temptation and we're like, oh, no, not good. Lord, help me. Get me out of this quick. He's like, and he will help us. But when he says in his scriptures there are things that clearly we should not be doing and we just do them anyway and then we want, we want help when we fall in the hole, he will still help us because he's gracious, but the way that he treats us is very different. So, the Lord has a word for somebody in regard to that this morning. Um, <clears throat> the, um, but I, there was a quote that, that uh, good pastor and, and, uh, that I listen to a lot, 
he encourages me in my walk. His name is David Guzik. He said this in regards to judging others. The Christian is called to unconditional love, not unconditional approval. And that's really important, man. As we're building a culture of discipleship, like we can unconditionally love people and we should unconditionally love them just as Christ does. But we do not uh, unconditionally approve of everything in their life. If they're walking in something uh, that's sinful and we know it's hurtful to them, we ought to lean into them as iron sharpens iron, right? So one man sharpens another. Like it is good for us to lean in to one another and encourage each other in the Lord. And so um, we, sh- we ought not to be resistant of that. But We ask ourselves this question, and this is why it's so important. You have no platform to lean into somebody else's life if you can't lean into yourself first. That's that's really the point that we're getting at is Jesus said, don't look at the sawdust in your brother's eye if you've got a two-by-four in your own, right? And so we always ask ourselves when we're abiding with the Lord, when we're sitting with him in the word every day, we ask ourselves, what is the Lord saying to me about me? What is the, and I say that in my, I, I preach that until blue in the face of my discipleship guys. What is the Lord saying to you about you? That's most important. What is the Lord saying to you about you? Because if you can't answer that question, you definitely can't answer the question, what is the Lord saying to you about them? You're not in a position to do that. If you can't hear the voice of the Lord, you can't speak the voice of the Lord into somebody else's life, okay? And if you can't do that, then you will not make a disciple. You cannot effectively make a disciple unless you feel like you've heard from the Lord as to what to say to them, right? Just like Jesus pulled away and he heard from the Father what he was to do with the disciples. He did the will of the Father, not his own, right? And that's where we do the same thing. Verse 6 Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you into pieces. Like, what is Jesus saying here, man? In discipleship, we say that this is, Jesus is talking about people of peace. He's saying, excuse me, you know what's funny? When I preach, I always get the burps. It's odd. It just happens. It's weird. Um, the, uh, Jesus is talking to us about people of peace. People of peace. What does it mean? To, what are we talking about, people of peace? We're talking about people that have tender hearts to receive the good news of Jesus. That's a person of peace. A person of peace is someone who has a soft heart that the Holy Spirit has tilled the ground of their heart and that they are ready to receive the seed in the water as it's planted and given. And there are people out there that aren't. Okay, so like I'm encouraging my disciple, uh, my my discipleship leaders here. Like uh, for those that have been newly released, you're gonna we ask you to pray about who might God have you invite into your life and make a disciple out of. Right, reproduce your life in them so that you collectively can represent Christ. Right, like we talked about last week, we are ambassadors of Christ. We are the highest and best representation of the literal, real Jesus Christ on planet Earth. That's the point of us. We're to be the ambassadors of Christ, right? And so we're trying to make a disciple so they can do the same thing. When you're inviting people into your life, you need to be identifying people of peace. A person of peace is someone with a soft heart that can receive the good news of the Lord, both in celebration and in challenge. Right? Like you lean into their life, talking to them about the sin in their life because you want to help them reflect the image of Christ. If they don't receive it, they're not a person of peace. If they do receive it, they are a person of peace and they are a follower of Christ because they repent of their sin and then believe in the good news of the gospel and they move forward. 
And they get freedom in their life. Like that's, that's how it happens. And so this is what citizens of the kingdom are to be like. That disciple-making citizens of the kingdom. But don't give what's holy to the dogs. Like, you, you, that's why it's so important to identify a person of peace. Because if you invite someone into your life uh, just because they're a friend or a neighbor or a coworker, or you see them a lot or you talk to them often or you think that they're, you know, have good dress attire or wear fancy clothes, whatever it is, that does, none of that means that they're a person of peace. You need to ask the Lord about the things of their heart. Like, Lord, is this person ready to receive you or not? And the same is true, um, not now I was talking about a context of discipleship. I'm talking about in the context of evangelism, which evangelism is just the open, free sharing of the gospel with anyone and everyone, right? Discipleship is the intentional, small reproducing of your life. They're different, right? And so in terms of evangelism, like, um, if someone's asking you about what you believe, Test their spirit, man. Test their heart. Are they asking because they actually want to know the truth? They actually are looking for clarity of the gospel? If so, praise the Lord, man. The God has opened up an opportunity for you to sow seeds of truth into their life. If they're not, if they're asking to make you stumble, don't give them what's holy. Because they're like dogs. They're going to chew it up. And they're going to destroy you. They're going to trip you up. They're going to make you stumble. They're going to trouble you in your, what you believe or why you believe it. They're going to make you stumble, so don't do it. They're like pigs. You know, the, uh, they, like you cast a pearl before the pigs. What do they do? Pig doesn't know what to do with it. He just steps in it in the mud and poops on it, right? It's like somebody that's not hearing from the Lord, somebody that doesn't want to know the truth, they do the same thing with the gospel, and it's precious, so don't do that. Identifying people of peace is really, really important. Um, there was something else I wanted to say about that. Oh, this was a good quote. Godly correction is a pearl that must not be cast before swine, like those that are determined not to receive it. The swine are people that don't receive the pearl. Um, and the pearl is uh, godly correction. Man, it's, that's why discipleship is so good, because godly correction is so good. Like, I'm looking at my brothers here in discipleship group, man. There's sometimes where I lean into them. Like, Brother Mike, man, I leaned into Mike so hard a couple weeks ago, harder than I've ever leaned into anybody. And guess what, man? He received it. He received it, man. And the freedom is breaking out in his life. Like, he's turning away from old sin and walking in newness of life as a new creation in Christ. Like, that is good news, man. That is good news. And so, um, godly correction was a pearl that he received. And he did, not, he did not despise it. And I'm proud of Mike for that, man. I am so proud of him for that. Mike is a person of peace. I can lean into his life and, 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 and watch him grow in Christ. And that encourages me so much. <clears throat> Verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though are you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask of him? Man, that's good news. Like, and this is really Jesus' commitment to prayer. Like Jesus was committed to prayer. Citizens of the kingdom ought to be praying to the king. 
They ought to be asking the king, what are they to be doing? King, what can I do for you? Right? That's what a good servant in a kingdom does. They are highly available, accountable, teachable, approachable, willing to serve. Like That's a good steward in, in any kingdom. right? And we ought to be the same way. But in order to know the will of the Father, we must be praying to the Father. And that's really important. If you read in all the New Testament, Jesus spent a massive portion of his life asking the Father for his will. Just say, Lord, I just want to, he would say, Father, I came to do your will, not my own. We, we know for a fact that Jesus was tempted in every way that we are, right, yet did not sin. I know for a fact Jesus, well, we know in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed so hard that he was sweating blood because he did not want to go to the cross to die for our sin. But he said, nonetheless, your will be done, Father, not my own. It was scary for him. He was going to be separated from the Father for the first time ever. And he had to turn, the Father had to turn his back on the Son so that he could bear the sin of us, me, you. And that's an amazing thing. So he submitted to the will of the Father, and salvation was extended to all who might believe. And when we submit to the will of the Father, we understand his will, and we surrender to it. And Jesus said that greater things than these you will do. The people were amazed at the great things Jesus did. Jesus told his disciples, you will do greater things, you will do greater than these. Not because we're greater than Jesus, but because the work of God in the church is greater than what Jesus himself would do in terms of his individual walk on the earth after he resurrected. Uh, and then verse 12, this is the golden rule, right? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up all the law and the prophets. I was asking the Lord, well, what am I supposed to say about this? Like, what, is, um, what are you trying to say to us? And the truth is, man, do, it's, it's, it's not don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you. <laughs> it, you right? Like, you know, don't punch someone in the nose because you wouldn't want them to punch you in the nose. Right? Like, that's obvious. Like, that's, ele that's an elementary an interpretation of the scripture. It's do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. Man, this is going to be challenging for some folks in here, but like if you're looking for fellowship, like if you're like, man, nobody invites me over to, to you know, to, to their house, won't you invite someone over to your house? That's what Jesus is talking about. Like if you want people to do unto you, you start doing what you want other people to do and it'll start happening for you. You know, it's just, it's really important that you understand that and not fall into self-pity. Self-pity is something that can be very destructive for us. And so start doing what you want to be done unto you and the kingdom of God will start to break out in your life. Enter through the narrow gate, verse 13. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. Only a few find it. Man, this is such a good one. I, I, in fact, this is the first time I've actually noticed that there's kind of two parts to this. There is the gate and then there's the road or the path. And I'm like, I found that fascinating. The gate is symbolic of the salvation experience. Like, we believe that the scripture teaches there is one way to eternal life, and it is through Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and his blood shed for you on the cross. That is the gate. Narrow is the gate, and few find it. Right? There's only those people that believe in Jesus Christ that will be saved. Everyone else 
will perish eternally in hell. That's not easy to preach, but that is the truth according to the scriptures. And so we don't shy away from that. And, we, and that's why we encourage people to come to know the Lord. Come to know Jesus. Go through the narrow gate, not the wide one, right? But what I found interesting was that but in verse 14, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to eternal life, man. So once you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are saved. You've passed through the narrow gate, but now what? Now what do you do? It's not like, like I talked about last week. We don't just get saved and go to heaven and, and be with Jesus. Like it, There's so much more to it than that. When Jesus said, go and make disciples, when, de- when Jesus says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, right? When Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they know what to do and they follow me, like, what is he talking about? He's talking about the life that you're living after you receive Jesus as Savior. He's talking about reproducing your life, surrendering to the Lord and walking with him and helping others to walk with him. And so that's why discipleship is so tough, because it's narrow, Few find it. It's difficult. I wrote down this. The true gate is both narrow and difficult. If your road has a gate that seems easy and well-traveled, watch out. Like if your spiritual life is just butter, man, I mean cake, like it is so easy, like watch out. Like you you are very possibly, I'm no prophet, you are very possibly walking outside the will of the Father, even post-salvation. Like, it's not easy to be a Christian, man. It's not. It's not a playground. It's a battleground. If you don't think it is, read Ephesians 6 and see what the Lord says to you. Um, verse 15, watch out for false prophets. I'm going to wrap up. I know I don't, I don't even know what time it is, but I feel like I'm going long. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree will bear good fruit, but a bad tree, bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And thus, by your fruit, you will recognize them. Praise the Lord for Jimmy Holbrook. Like, that is, a, that is a shepherd that God has put in our life, a teacher, a prophet to speak the word of the Lord into our lives in truth and grace. And it is a, on a biblical foundation, like the Alwyns had shared with us last week in their video. Like, this church is on a firm foundation. Like, we are being led by a man who walks with the Lord, who encourages us, all of us, in our walk to come closer and closer to Jesus as we seek to do that with others. And, like, praise the Lord for that. And so, Jesus is giving us a very clear um, um, word of caution to what we're listening to. There's a lot of preachers out there. There's a lot of pastors out there. There's a lot of churches out there. There's a lot of Bible teachers out there. But just because it has a cross on it, just because it sounds churchy, just because his title or his business card says pastor, does not mean that that guy is preaching the word of God in truth. you got to be careful of what you're listening to. Like, it's just, that, it's that simple. you got to be careful what you're listening to. Have discerning ears. And like, what you know, a good identifier of a false prophet is um, look in their life. Like, like look into their life, man. Are they living a life that you want? And if you don't know about their life, investigate it. 
Like just because they're on a YouTube channel or on TV or whatever, don't just take the word and, and hear it and assume that it's the truth, man. Look into it. Be a Berean about it and search the scriptures daily to, to, to validate the things that you're hearing are true. I encourage you to do the same thing with me. I'm preaching the word of God, but don't believe a thing I say. Go in the word and check it out for yourself. That's what a Berean would do. That's what a good disciple maker of Christ would do. Is see that the, what you're hearing is actually the truth. Seek and you will find, Jesus said, right? Knock and the door will be open to you. But there are people out there that sound really Christian, that sound really godly, that are outrageously unfruitful. In fact, they are wolves in sheep's clothing, Jesus says. Jesus' words, not mine. We got wolves in the city, folks. I'll tell you that right now. We got wolves in sheep's clothing. Not mentioning any names, not even thinking of any one person in particular, but I'm telling you right now, based on where the flocks go, that will tell you what's going on. And so seek it out for yourself. Be careful who you're listening to and why you're there. Verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, Jesus expands on this idea. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord. Now on that day, he's talking about the day of judgment. The day where Jesus Christ will judge every person for everything in accordance to um, his righteousness, right? So in that day, um, many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we drive out demons in your name? Perform many miracles? This is hard news But Jesus says this, Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. There's so many people out there, man, and it breaks my heart because I have family members, I have friends, I have neighbors that are in this category. They will say like churchy things, or they will even say the name of Jesus, or they will say the name Lord, right? They're like, you hear people, and I'm not being overly flippant here, but you guys, I I trust you understand my heart when I say this. But there are people that say like, oh, thank the good Lord above, the man upstairs. I'm like, you have no idea who you're talking about. That's who, those are the people Jesus is talking about. And I'm not talking about using those specific words. I'm talking about the condition of their heart, right? Meaning they will talk about God and talk about Jesus or talk about churchy things, But they actually, Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. And so the only requirement of salvation is to know the Lord and to be known by him. That is it. Then good, that is good news for us. Um, Therefore, verse 24, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain comes, the streams rise, and the winds blow and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man built his house on sand. The rain came uh, down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And... um, Man, so obviously, I just said earlier that our, like this church is built on a firm foundation. I'm doing the best that I can to build my life on a firm foundation. But here's what's true about this text. Uh, I've, I made an observation here that each house, the one, the one on a firm foundation and the one built on sand, from the outside, they both appeared the same. They appeared like the same house. One Christian can look like, you know, one, one, one guy or gal can look like a Christian and this guy or gal can look like a Christian. But the truth is no one will know until the storm comes. That's it. That's the only defining factor. And where do the storms come from? Storms come from both heaven and earth. 
Some storms in our life are God-ordained. God put them there so he would help us grow. Some storms are earthly. It's just part of being a product of a fallen sin world, man. The earth stinks. It's sinful. And sometimes stuff just happens. It's not your fault. It's not God's fault. It's Satan's fault that, and the angels that fell and we've been deceived. And like that's part of it. But some trials are from heaven and some are from earth. Where they come from really doesn't matter. What matters is, is it knocking our house down or not? Like, is it affecting our relationship with Jesus or not? That's what's most important. And I, I took note here that Judas betrayed Jesus in the night while Nicodemus proclaimed him in the day. When the storms came in Judas' life, he betrayed him. He went and killed himself. He was his house. Although he appeared Christian, he was a disciple of Jesus. He walked with Jesus, literally. Like, all over, probably wore the same sandals as Jesus. But he did not know him. He, he, he rejected him. Whereas Nicodemus, he was a religious leader. He was a hypocrite. Nicodemus was. He was the exact person, one of the exact people that Jesus said, you are a hypocrite and you are leading people astray. And Nicodemus came to him and said, man, I want to know the truth. How must a man be saved? And in John chapter 3, Jesus tells him how you must be saved. And Nicodemus received the Lord. So those are two good examples of houses um, built on a firm foundation or... Um, uh, in, in the sand. And I'm just reminded here as I wrap up, uh, and I'll let Corey go ahead and uh, come on up and <clears throat> as I land the plane, we are to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Like the, I feel like the, the Lord would, would chastise me if I didn't share that part of the message, man. That it, like, <laughs> I, I'm reminded of James, and I'm just going to read it. James 1, 19 through 26. You're welcome to follow along with me if you'd like. James 1, 19 through 26. I was actually just there this morning, and I felt like the Lord said, share this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth. James is pretty heavy sometimes. Get rid of all moral filth and all the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word. He's just validating exactly what Jesus is teaching us in Matthew 7. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. That's a great promise from the Lord. And so that's what, exactly what we're attempting to do here at this church is uh, be blessed in all that we do. Like we're trying to be here, uh, uh, doers of the word and not hearers only, right? Um, we're trying to be faithful to the Lord and make disciples. And we're trying to live lives that are reproducible, that other people could come to know the Lord. That way, uh, as Jesus sits on the throne of our hearts on this side of eternity, when we actually are with him in the kingdom period, as well as in eternity in heaven, that there will be others there to share with for all of eternity. And the truth is, man, there's either going to be people there or people that aren't. Like there's no in-between. And the day of judgment is a real thing. And um, 
The Lord has given us ample opportunities to come to know him um, and to be known by him. And so we praise the Lord for that. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.